Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Future Construct Podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck, and we have a fantastic guest today. We have Mike Hazard, who is a UA training specialist. Welcome, Mike. Oh, thank you, Amy. It's, gr- it's great to be here. So aside from having the pretty much the best name ever, um, <laughs> tell, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about UA and what UA's remit is, because that's very broad. But then we want to go back to your, you know, how, how you got into this business. Sure, sure. So the United Association is um, uh, a a union, private sector union that represents plumbers, pipe fitters, HVAC technicians, and fire sprinkler fitters. And um, we cover uh, the United States and Canada. We have affiliates in Ireland and Australia as well. And um, we have 357,000 members that we represent. And um, I've been a member, I was kind of born into the UA. Uh, My father, my grandfather, my uncle, my brother, myself, all UA members. And um, I knew that's what I wanted to do uh, for a living early on and uh, really admired the work. And, you know, we we build things uh, that anywhere from uh, nuclear power plants to schools to hospitals and you know it, there's a lot of pride in in driving by something uh and saying hey i i helped build that you know so uh very re- rewarding work um and i also come from a military family and um i'm a third generation navy sailor served for 12 years in the in wow. the United States Navy as an aviation rescue swimmer and really thought that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life um you know until I started getting older and um I was gone all the time and starting to raise a family and and decided to transition out of the military and and go back into the pipe trades and that's where um I had a connection you know, and I knew what I wanted to do, but so many people that get out of the military don't have those connections. And maybe the jobs that they did in the military, like being a swimmer, don't necessarily relate to or translate to the civilian workforce. So um, that's that's kind of how I got involved in in the program that I manage, veterans and piping. Um, you know, I really wanted to make a difference for our military members. I I think it's every American's responsibility to provide as many opportunities as we can for our transitioning military service members. So they don't end up, uh, you know, going down that dark spiral with unemployment and, and no connection to the real good careers and jobs as they transition out. And that's what VIP is all about. Veterans of piping is, um, it's an active duty transition training program. And um, we get people with, when they're at their 180 day mark, 180 days before they transition out, they're eligible to participate in our program. And uh, graduates of our program are are awarded um, direct entry into the apprenticeship program, which is a big deal. 
because there, a lot of the major uh, cities across the country, the apprenticeship programs have a waiting list, two, three, sometimes four years long just to get an interview. And direct entry means you bypass that. You go straight into the apprenticeship program and and we talk about when you're available and when you want to start work and and we get work lined up for them too. So, And all of this is provided 100% free. Our membership pays for all of this. Um, so very, uh, I'm very proud to be part of it. Uh, and it's a, it's a real game changer for our military. This is, I really want to put this story out there because this is such an amazing program. Um, and so, you know, from your own personal story, you know, I, you know, you mentioned that, you know, your whole, your whole family is in the industry. So you had that support system, so are you was this program developed because you know just collectively I think people in the military were seeing that this coming out of the military isn't you have in, incredible training, incredible dis- discipline, incredible skills and yet the job market can really be a challenge and and where do you start? So what was the evolution like when did this program start and and you know we, we need to thank some people I think <laughs> for developing right. Yeah, so we we started in 2008 and if you remember that was a that was the recession there was a there wasn't m- many jobs available. There weren't many jobs available at that time and we were interviewing people um in the military that that had a year or two left on their contract and when they came back from deployment they were given 90 days to process out, you know, and so and after being out of the country, you you don't have that networking. You don't know where the good jobs are. Um, you know, so that was um, that's where we started, and we started training civilian veterans, guardsmen, reservists um, in in two different areas of the country. And um, what we found was that we were recruiting from one area of the country and expecting people to go nationwide for job placement. And uh, a lot of people um, that came into our program, uh, like I said, the program's free, but it's also 18 weeks long, 40 hours a week. It's it's 720 hours of training, and it's a huge commitment. And um, even though it's offered free, we would we would end up graduating about half of the people we started with uh, just because they couldn't go 18 weeks without a paycheck. And um, we were feeding people. We had people living in their cars and, and we just thought, you know, we need to get in front of this and get to the service members before they get out of the military, get, get them the skills they need to leverage these great starting positions and, and uh, provide a seamless transition. And so we started, um, with the active duty model in uh, 2009. And it was a pilot program that we got permission to run from the Commandant of the Marine Corps out at Camp Pendleton. And uh, all of our uh, issues were solved overnight when we ran that first pilot program because now we have a classroom full of active duty service members who are from all over the country and they wanna go home. So that solved our job placement part. They're still being uh, paid and, and housed and fed by the military. So much better learning environment. They could focus on their training. Um, it, it was just like a, uh, a switch. And, and we knew this, 
we that we stumbled onto something really good here. Um, but of course, you know, with with all good things uh, come uh, an end, and and we were shut down by by the uh, by the JAG officers, the lawyers in in the Marine Corps, because they determined that it was not legal for an outside entity to come onto a military installation and train service members while they're on active duty for a job after the military. Um, So we went to work on changing title 10 of the U S code to make it permissible. And uh, president Obama uh, signed a bill called the vow to hire a hero act of 2011, which made it legal. Uh, It was unanimous through Congress. Uh, Everybody wanted this. It went through Congress in record time and was signed into law and it made it permissible to do what we uh, that, you know, to do these programs on military installations. So now we're at nine different uh, military bases, and uh, we graduate about 300 students a year. And since 2008, we've graduated about 2,900 people through the program. And those are those are 2,900 people that were that have been offered uh, direct entry and guaranteed employment um, at the local union of their choice. And um, it, it's been it's been wildly successful. We we now have been doing this for so long that we have VIPs that are union officers now, uh, you know, organizers, agents, um, uh, training directors. Uh, we've kind of infiltrated the UA in a good way. Um, so <laughs> the program's been great. That is fantastic. I love it. And then you know, do you find that um, back here? Is it is it very common for families and family members, like in 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 your own family, um, to 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 all be in the trades? Uh, because it seems like that there are some challenges now getting this next generation of worker who you know want to do everything electronically. There are these digital natives, and you know the that that like getting in and working with your hands, it it just seems like it's harder to attract people into that industry. Are you finding that as, as a challenge as well? I, absolutely. You know, um, we struggle with, uh, with recruiting just like everyone else does right now. Um, and there's a lack of skilled trades for our youth. Um, and the higher education has been, uh, force fed in a lot of places and schools that that's the path to success. And um, we know the trades are a, a viable option and a great way to to make a living um, and, and quite often much higher paying than professional positions. Um, and we, we've been working uh, to get the word out. We, we work with, you know, high school counselors and uh, making sure that uh, students understand that there are options for them and um we uh you know we have an aging workforce and uh we have a lot of retirees coming uh due and uh, we have a huge boom in our country infrastructure work that's coming so we're scrambling um you know and what we've found with the military is that there's so many um things that translate from the military um military lifestyle to construction one is you know working in in teams small groups um and being being a part of something that's bigger than yourself and 
uh, you know, wanting to work with your hands and working hard, long hours. Uh, service members have demonstrated that that they can do not only do that, but they do it very well. Um, and they know how to show up on time. They're disciplined. Uh, they can take direction well. And and they they're just looking for an opportunity. And when when you couple that with our training programs, we can we can train anybody. I think we're the best in the world at preparing uh, somebody to work in the piping industry. That's what we do well. And when you couple that with the soft skills of the military service members, it's a home run. And um, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about you know the future of. Uh, for VIP and, and for our service members. That's great. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, technology and, you know, especially in traditional industries where, you know, there, there may be some reticence to bring in new technology for, for any number of reasons. One, that there's a, there's a learning curve. Um, But I think on the training side, you know, there's been so much great data uh, to support how, like training in virtual environments, uh, especially in hazardous environments, not not to go back to your last name, which I'm obsessed with. Um, but but then on the flip side, they're expensive, they're a little cumbersome. It's changing workflows. Like you've got a system, right? It's sort of there's sort of an you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of you know, positioning as well. Um, but the technology is coming. And I think there's also potentially a way to use technology to start drawing people in. I've seen some great examples of the trades doing some training in virtual reality and letting, you know, people in high school get into this and actually see what it's like, you know, to weld something, which by the way, I did the, a welding one. You do not want me welding the bridge. We, it, was a, it was a welding the San Francisco bridge. Um, so I'm not cut out for that. I'm sure I can do other things, but welding is not one of them. Um, but, you know, do, do you see technology as a way to solve for some of that to maybe allow you to train more people, but also to entice more people into the industry? Absolutely. You know, um, we we do use augmented reality in, in our apprenticeship training programs. Um, and we showcase that when we're recruiting for for VIP or for apprenticeship. Um, and, and we do have a virtual welding machine like you got to use. Okay. Yeah. And, and that does draw a lot of interest from uh, young people. And um, we had uh, transitioned to uh, a virtual platform, Blackboard. Uh, we have all of our courses that we teach in VIP on Blackboard. Uh, in in the event that we need to um, train virtually, we can roll into that, um, and we we keep all of our um, our courses and our uh, our tests and and uh, all of that on Blackboard, and and so we we have a good system there. Uh, you know, our training really depends on being in person and uh, hands on teaching hands-on skills that lead to certifications. Um, so we're always training in new technology and we try to include it as much as we can just to entertain our students and, and make it, make the training fun, you know? Um, so actually the younger crowd is leading the way and pushing us towards this. So, um, and, you know, we, we embrace technology. We know that we have to um, include this. Um, a lot of our job sites, there's, um, you know, there's 
the foreman are now walking around with iPads with the plans on the iPads and, and layouts all done um, through laser. So there, we have to train um, our students in new technology and include it as much as we can in our classes. No, I love that. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. I do want to come back and talk about this a little bit more, but we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. All right. And we are back with Mike Hazard talking about technology for training. Um, so, what are some of the the things that you've seen that you know have excited you about technology, either in some of the programs that you're running or just out there in the world in general? You mentioned you've got you know foremen out there with with iPads. You mentioned augmented reality. What are some of the other things you know, whether it's robotics or automation or other technologies that you're seeing being leveraged on construction sites that that you just think is sort of an exciting evolution? Well, I you know one of the things that when when I hear technology, I think of advances in um, you know either machinery or or piping systems or you know in the classroom using technology, but um, new advances in the way we think are are something that's um, been coming up more and more with our group, and it, it's the younger generation that's kind of forced us into this and. We have just launched a program in the UA um, to uh, to train all of our interviewers. Uh, we 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 interview everyone that comes into the Veterans of Piping program and into our apprenticeship programs. And we've never really had any formal training. We have some guidance from the Department of Labor and things like that, and we know what the requirements are, uh, so we can kind of gauge interviews in that way. Um, but we we've recently learned about you know um, inherent biases uh, things you know and being we want our workforce to be uh, to reflect our communities we want to be diverse we want to be diversified and and inclusive um, and so we we really had to look at the way we were interviewing people and to make sure that we were aware of these inherent biases and, and that, you know, what to do when those um, come into play. And uh, I'm pretty, I'm very proud of, of this initiative um, and talking about these issues is something that um, is awesome and hasn't been done in our industry, you know? Um, so the way we're going with that is, is pretty exciting for me um, and making sure that we're, you know, we're not ruling somebody out just because of uh, something that may not be true, uh, a, you know, a judgment that we make on people that we don't even realize we're doing. So yeah. uh, that, that's been awesome to be part of that training. I, I'm right there with you. Um, and I, and I, I think you're right. I think you're taking the right approach. Um, you know, I, I think I would probably be reticent to move into a building that was definitely built by robots. I like right. to see people in there checking everything. I like to see the clipboards. <laughs> Makes me happy. <laughs> and so what's what's next for you? Uh, you know, just just personally, you know, you you have a, a family who are in the trades. Do you have kids who are going to move into the trades? What's 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 your next legacy? So I am a father of five boys. And, oh my uh, goodness! You're I've brave. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, my wife is brave. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my first three boys I had while we were in the military and, um, a couple of them have dabbled in the trade, um, and then went, uh, different directions. Um, and my two younger sons that, um, that I have are, uh, you know, my youngest is graduating high school this year and, you oh, know, amazing. we'll see which, what way he goes. He, he, he's now talking about, he wants to be a welder. So, nice. uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I, um, I just think that uh, the younger generation, um, my kids generation has a, has a bad rap that, you know, there are still a lot of kids out there that want to work hard and will work hard. Um, and I'm seeing that every day and, and, you know, we're, we're changing lives through the program that we have for the military. Um, and the people that we, um, kind of attract to that program are hardworking people that want to work and don't mind working. As a matter of fact, it's what they would rather be doing. They don't want to sit behind a desk, uh, you know, they don't want to be in front of a computer all day. Uh, but there's certain parts of our industry that require that, you know, and, and there's, there's room for everyone. Uh, there's so many uh, different things that you can do in the piping industry and with the UA. So no, I love uh, that. I think it's great. And, you know, I, th I think you're right. I do think they get a bad rap. I think, I think it's, it's about like, I think it's also our responsibility as, you know, sort of the older generation in the industry to, to, to pave the way and to, and to, you know, make these opportunities available for, for, for people. Um, I mean, I think, I think a lot of it is that they just don't know that these careers exist because, they're, you know, they're not being told about them at school. They, if they don't have anyone in their immediate circle who's in the trades, I mean, how do they really find out about it? Right. Absolutely. So that's our job is to get the word out. And how do we get the word out? You know, and, and that's technology again, you know, social media and and getting the word on, on those platforms that they're using uh, in some way, you know, and um, uh, the average age of an apprentice is 26 years old. You know, and um, that's usually when you realize, hey, I better get a serious job that provides benefits for me, you know, and um, if we could get those uh, those average ages down to 18, 19 years old when they're getting out of high school and, and really not going into college, um, you know, then you do. 30 years in, in the trades and you're looking at a nice pension, which is yeah. a dinosaur these days, how many jobs offer, you know, retirement pensions. Yeah. Um, and these are pensions that are paid for by your employer. Um, that's, that's pretty rare. And that's one of the, one of the biggest benefits of being part of a union yeah. is you have those benefits for you and your family and convincing young people that that's important is kind of hard to do sometimes because they're not really ready to have that conversation yeah. um, and they're not as it, the word career doesn't mean as much to them as it did to, to me you know and people my age so yeah yeah I think you're right and that then that ability to sort of project themselves into the future you know, right. and, and understand how great it would be when you retire to actually have checks coming in and be able to support yourself. <laughs> right. 
Um, but that does lead me, speaking of projecting into the future, to the last question, which I ask everyone, um, which is, you know, if if you could project yourself 20, 25 years into the future and you could have any gadget or service that would just make you happy or make your life better in some way, what would it be and what would it do? You know, I <laughs> as soon as you started talking about this, I the first thing that comes to my mind is I wish I had a magic wand. Um, that I could use anytime, you know? Um, and one of the things that I, I would like to see, uh, with my magic wand, you know, is the way we transition people from the military. Um, if I'm a recruiter and I come into your living room and I'm talking about taking your son or daughter and, um, you know, training them to be the best soldier they can be. And uh, they'll go serve their country and you'll be so proud. And so will they. And by the way, the last six months of their enlistment, they'll enter into a transition phase that is free, has guaranteed job placement, and they'll transition back into the civilian workforce, you know, in, in the industry of their choice or back, you know, into higher education or IT, construction, whatever, just to have those uh, have transitions set up that way where it was mandatory for everyone. And it, it wasn't a choice or a benefit. It was just something that they, just the way we transitioned from the military. That's amazing. I love it. I think you're going to get your wish because you've already started. And so now we just need to expand. We have a model that works. Let's expand on that. That's right. Well, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Amy. It's been my pleasure. <laughs>